great future. We're talking real money. If you had a billion bucks laying around, would you put it in Bitcoin? <laughs> well, somebody did. Oh, my goodness. A billion dollars. A billion dollars. Yeah, there was a story not too long ago that was all over the internet, and all the crypto crazies were jumping all over it, particularly the crypto creeps who try to hack into cryptocurrency accounts. They were all excited because there was this account with $964 million in it, a Bitcoin account that had um, just been sitting there for five years unclaimed. Now, over that five-year period, Bitcoin went up a lot and then it went down some, but you know, it's a lot of money. We're talking you know, a billion bucks. Well, a lot of these crypto freaks tried brute force attacks. A brute force attack is where you just you get a computer that keeps trying passwords over and 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 over again. Um, and no one knows whether they were successful or not. But suddenly, just recently, just in the past week or so, the $964 billion Bitcoin account was liquidated. The billion bucks is gone. And herein lies another problem with cryptocurrencies. Well, I guess problem for some, feature for others. If, if you're an honest, law-abiding, tax-paying citizen, it's a detriment. If you are trying to evade taxes, if you're a criminal, it's a feature. Because nobody knows, no one knows where that billion bucks went. No one. They don't know if that account was hacked and somebody stole it. They don't know who the owner was or is, or I guess was now because the money's been moved somewhere else. They don't know if the owner took it or if somebody stole it. There's no way to know because cryptocurrencies are, by their very nature, totally anonymous. Totally anonymous. There's no paper trail anywhere. So how easy would that make it to avoid taxes, oh, I'm sorry, I should use a different word, evade taxes completely. It'd be pretty easy, wouldn't it? Now, of course, none of us enjoy paying taxes, but I think most of us get their purpose, their reason. And, you know, it kind of feels unfair to those of us, you know, I had a capital gain recently and it was a pretty big one. So what did I have to do? I sent a big check to the IRS that's just sitting there to pay my taxes next year because I'm supposed to pay them. It's the compact I have with the United States. And this person probably has a similar obligation to somebody somewhere to pay some taxes on that money because the odds are very good that they made a huge profit. And yet... There's no way to know who it was. So how could you track it? Be very, very difficult. Really challenging. Could have been totally a criminal enterprise. No one, no one will know. No one will know. Could have been a criminal enterprise that a, from which a criminal stole, <laughs> which would be poetic justice in a way. 
So uh, I I still can't get Bitcoin. I still can't get cryptocurrencies. I I cannot. I understand blockchain. I, I'm not a dumb person. I get it. I get it. It's a it's a great way of keeping track of things. But what purpose? What legitimate purpose do cryptocurrencies serve? And of what benefit are they to us, to regular people? I can't come up with any. Yet people continue to speculate in them, and that's exactly what it is. It's pure D, unadulterated speculation. We got calls galore over the past few days, so we are going to take a bunch of those during this episode of Talking Real Money, the podcast. Remember, you can call us 24 hours a day, seven days a week with your questions. Just leave it on the electronic answering thing at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. You can also type questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form, or you can record them there if you don't want to use your phone. So a lot of great ways to get in touch, to get the information you need, to get some knowledge about this thing that we deal with all the time called money. 855-935-TALK is our phone number. Hello, I am an employee at the University of Washington in Seattle. And I was thinking that you had made recommendations about best mutual funds to choose from the university's a voluntary investment program uh, or deferred compensation program, 401k or 403b program. My phone number is 206-963-5169. I'm 63. And when I took the Vestry risk quiz, I was a 64 uh, on score on that quiz. Thank you. I look forward to the answer. Bye-bye. Well, thanks for the call. And the answer is 401411.com. That's the answer. At 401411.com, we have looked at a number of plans that were sent to us by employees of those plans. And the University of Washington Retirement Plan uh, has been on there for a long time. It's a good plan. It uses Vanguard funds and dimensional funds and... Um, it's great choices, really good choices. So go to 401411.com and then click on the specific plan link. And then you'll see the list alphabetical. Go to University of Washington and uh, you're probably in the 6040 area, right about there. Um, but remember, a 60-40 portfolio is going to be volatile. But it sounds like you can stand that kind of volatility. Good, good choice, though. So go take a look at it at 401411.com. 855-935-TALK. That's our phone number, 855-935-8255. Let's take another call. Hey, thanks, Don. My question is this. I have $1.25 million in VIP, Boeing VIP. I'm retired Boeing, but I'm working as a quality director at another company. And the, I saw the CARES Act let you pull out 100 grand, and I was thinking about uh, pulling out the 100 grand, which would cost me 10 grand, so it'd be about 90 grand, and getting uh, real silver. Uh, and I wanted to know what your thoughts were on silver and gold. I've been reading a lot of things where there's a lot of room for those two things to run. Uh, so I wanted to take get your take on that. Uh, I also own my home and the lot next to my home 
and may may have an opportunity to sell my home and build next door to myself. So if you have time to take that question as well. But uh, plan. I'm 58. I plan on working for another three years at my quality director spot, and uh, then I should be ready to retire. Anyway, thank you for taking my uh, question, and I love listening to you guys. Listen to you for many time uh, for a long time. Have a great one, and I'll talk to you there. Bye. Well, thanks for the call. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, as far as building another house on the lot next year, that's a lifestyle decision. It's not a financial decision. If you want a nice house on the lot next door and you know, sell the one that you're in, great, do it. Um, I think that's something that uh, if it makes you happy, you should do. You got the money. You've been saving really well. It looks like you're in great shape for retirement. Don't mess it up, though. What do I mean? Don't speculate in metals. They are, I don't care what some idiot says about, they have room to run. What does that mean, room to run? I, I remember distinctly back in the 1980s, because, you know, I'm, I'm even older than you, uh, when silver was uh, at a, an inflation-adjusted level, mm, hold on, about 120 bucks an ounce. And I remember all of the hype about how silver and gold had so much room to run. You can go back and look at all of the predictions that that silver and gold would be, uh, you know, in the thousands of dollars. Silver would be $1,000. Gold could be five, ten, Ridiculous things. 20. You, you heard just incredible numbers. And do you know what happened to silver from 1981? Well, pretty much in, or 1979, 1980 until today. Uh, by by from its high in uh, let's see when was the high reached it was like january of 1980 it dropped by more than half in less than half a year it plunged to six dollars by 2001 it rose again into the 50s I think it was about 2011. And now, what are you, $28, $30, less than $30? How is that room to run? Now, this is inflation adjusted. There have been few times in the history of silver when it's been as high as it's been today. Let's see, it was where it is today back in 2013. Uh, Then again in 2010. And then not again until 19, previously 1983. Then it had a big spike and it got up into those 20s in 74. And that was it. All those years, silver set in the, as a matter of fact, the level it hit in uh, 2001, that $6 and change, was the same price silver was trading for in, get this, you ready? 1930. 1930. So say you bought an ounce of gold in 1930, you would still have uh, the equivalent of an ounce of gold, or you would have still had the equivalent of an ounce of gold in 2001. If you bought an ounce of gold in 1979, you would have about the exact same money you invested then today. Is that an investment? If you'd put $28 in 
into the Standard & Poor's 500, just the S&P 500, and we think there are better ways to invest, you would have $2,900 today, roughly. Adjusted for inflation even, though, you would have $764 today. So if you put $28 in silver in 1979, you'd have about $28 adjusted for inflation today. If you put $28 into the S&P 500, you'd have about $760 adjusted for inflation today. What does that tell you about silver as an investment? It tells you it's a terrible investment. Now, could you have bought and sold it at the right times along the way and made money? Of course. Of course. But you had to time it right. And you're not going to do that. Trust me, you don't know, nor does anybody else. Ah, thanks so much for the call. 855-935-TALK is our number, 855-935-8255. And um, let's go to one of the the calls, <laughs> the voice things, that was sent in at TalkingRealMoney.com using the recording button there. Hello, I'm interested in hearing your take about an app called Robinhood um, that I use on my phone um, to do some investing. I'm playing around learning stocks and just trying to figure out how it all works. But I was wondering if you guys had an opinion on that. Robinhood is not a way to learn about investing in the stock market. Robinhood is only a means by which you can speculate in individual stocks buying them in fractional shares, and it is a dangerous game. It is a dangerous game. It's like having a blackjack app and thinking it's going to teach you how to invest. No, it's going to teach you how to gamble. I would erase Robin Hood, and when you have money to invest, invest. If, you're, if you can take the risk of individual stocks, then you can certainly stand the risk of being in the Vanguard Total World Stock Index Fund or the ETF, the ET, which owns the entire global stock market. So no, 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 no. Get rid of Robinhood. It is not a way to learn how to invest. It is a way to play the market. And I don't believe it's wise to play with your money. It's too important to play with it. Play is fun just not playing with money. It's dangerous. Again, our phone number is 855-935-TALK, or you can send questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. And I'm still going to try and get a couple more in today. Let's take another call. Hi, Don. Thanks for your help. Um, I called before, and I just want a clarification. Um, I invested some money with all-in-one stock with Vanguard. I had called your show to ask about that fund, and you said it was okay because I'm not an active trader. Then I heard you guys talking about the Total World Index Funds, VTWAX, and the other bond index fund, and you also said how bad Edward Jones was. So I had a small amount in there. I cashed that out, and I bought stock 60-40 in the funds that you recommended. Then I found out that those funds are contained in the all-in-one fund that is managed by Vanguard. I want to make regular contributions to these funds, but I don't know if I should do it to the two individual funds 
or do it to the all-in-one since they are included in that? Or do I even need the extra two funds since they're included in the all-in-one, if that makes any sense? Uh, I appreciate any help or insight you could give me. I don't want to have a bunch of little funds that uh, I don't need if the all-in-one covers it, or if I get better investments doing the funds directly that you recommended the other two. Thanks for your help. You're absolutely right. I assume the all-in-one fund to which you're referring is the Vanguard Life Strategy Moderate Growth Fund, which is 60% stocks, 40% bonds, and you're absolutely right. You're repeating yourself. You have redundancy. There's no need to have the Vanguard Total World and Total Bond Fund when you have the Life Strategy Moderate Growth Fund because it is covering the same basis. You have the same stocks, the same portfolio. The only reason we suggest that people use the other funds, more than one fund, is so that they can adjust it specifically to their risk needs and tolerance. For example, you could create a 70% in the stock market, 30% in bonds by using the two funds. Or you could create a 30-70 with more in bonds. Because the life strategy funds are either 20 stocks, 80 bonds, 40 stocks, 60 bonds, 60 stocks, 40 bonds, or 80 stocks, 20 bonds, which covers most of the bases. So for most people, and, and, and certainly in your case, the one fund is more than enough. I would just stick with that, period. It's so easy, and it's so well diversified. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it a lot. And let's do one more before we go. I've got $100,000 to either purchase the building my business is in, either pay down my mortgage, or invest it. I really am torn what to do with that. If you can let me know, I live in Marysville, Washington. Tough question to answer definitively because we'd need to know a lot. But let's compare the possibilities uh what you have to do on the whether you buy the building or not is look at what it's going to cost you to uh to operate that building how is that going to impact you versus your rent you got to factor in all the costs you're going to have to do a very very detailed cost analysis my guess is you won't find it's going to end up making you a lot of money it's my guess, just having looked at other deals like this in the past. Real estate in and of itself tends not to be a great long-term investment. Again, though individual circumstances vary, and because you're in the in the Puget Sound area, your experience has been colored by a ridiculously good market for real estate. Those don't always happen. Paying down your mortgage. If your mortgage is low, no. If your mortgage is not low, refinance. Heck, you can get a mortgage down in the 2.5% range. Finally, it really depends on what other kinds of investments you have as to whether and how you invest. I believe, based on history, based on data, that investing in a diversified portfolio of equities at a low cost will likely outperform real estate in general, in general, and should, again, based on history, far surpass whatever you're paying in interest on your mortgage. 
So, yeah, I favor investing, but it really does come down to a lot of variables in the other situations. But if all else being equal, typical real estate, home mortgage, I'd go with the investing. Thank you for the call. I really appreciate it. If you need some help, please call us anytime at 855-935-TALK. If it's a question, we can answer on the program. And you can also send your questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com using the contact button. But if your issue, if your problem, if your question is very involved, you're trying to start a retirement plan. You're looking for a second opinion. You have this incredibly complex, typical, hodgepodge portfolio that so many of us had or have. I remember having one. Don't anymore. Mine's so simple. Uh, you may need someone to look over the whole thing, take more time than we can really take on the podcast or the show. So we invite you to get in touch with our investment advisory firm. We don't plug it very often. That's not the point of what we do. We're here to educate, and we're not really plugging it either because our advisors know part of the deal, you help everybody, and they want to because <laughs> they really are about educating people. We don't get commissions, so they're not going to sell you stuff. Uh, we do get fees for our services, but they're not going to sell you stuff. And you can get a meeting for nothing just by going to vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com, and set up an appointment using the little appointment form. So you can set that up anytime, anytime it's convenient for you. And we'll get somebody to meet with you online, on the phone, once COVID's done, in person, <laughs> but uh, online, on the phone. So go check it out or give our office a call. This is not the number to leave questions for the show. Our office number is 800-386-3004. Okay, vestry.com, probably easier to remember. And this number is 855-935-TALK, 24-7, or go to talkingrealmoney.com. Spread the word, tell your friends. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Don McDonald. Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.